Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me for the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Well, it's Super Bowl week as the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers get set to play in Super Bowl 54 Sunday in Miami. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, we must address uh, what happened on Sunday, uh, the tragic death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and seven others in a helicopter crash uh, in California on a foggy Sunday uh I received a message from a friend of mine, uh, from a college friend uh, on Facebook, at, um, telling me, just please don't tell me this is not true. And I saw the TMZ, and I'm thinking it's one of those Facebook messages that, uh, you know, you get, and it's it sort of, you want to get you linked to a video and you know, download some viruses. And um, I saw Victoria, I was working on a story um, uh, on Sunday when I, I got that, and and then I saw a message come over the phone. For, I think it was an alert from ESPN that said that Kobe Bryant had died in a helicopter crash. And I was just, I was stunned. I was just actually totally stunned because I mean, here's a guy who just retired a couple of years ago from the NBA after a brilliant 20-year career, uh, was a dominant force. Uh, he could be a little prickly at times, a little you know, standoffish, but... He wanted to win, and you have to respect that. And uh, he came out of uh, Lower Marion High School in suburban Philadelphia, uh, skipped college to under the NBA draft, and uh, Jerry West made a shrewd move in trading uh, the draft pick to get uh, from the, to the Charlotte, from the Charlotte Hornets to get Kobe Bryant. And uh, the rest is history. Bryant ended up winning five NBA titles, a couple of NBA, uh, MVPs in the NBA Finals. Uh, surprisingly, only one uh, one league MVP overall, which I I really found amazing. But um, he really, I think he really once he retired and he really I think you know, softened up a little bit. You saw more of a human side of, of Kobe Bryant, especially you, know, you see uh, images of him talking with his daughter Gianna about basketball. It seemed like she was wanting to carry on the legacy of of, of his fa- of her father and. You know, she was talking about going to, you know, play basketball at UConn, go play in the WNBA, and uh, you, you feel sad. You really just it just hits you hard when you, you know, somebody you know not even you know you're looking forward to a, a full life, and then it's just cut short the way it was. I mean, it, it just I, I compare it to uh, when John Lennon passed away in 1980 when he was murdered. I won't give the. Uh, uh, murderer's name. I won't give him the, uh, the satisfaction of mentioning him, but uh, I remember it was a Monday night. I was coming home from a uh, high school basketball game where I was the statistician for my high school basketball team, and uh, going to bed after I say about eleven o'clock, and then about an hour and a half later, my mom came in the room and woke me up to let me know John Lennon had been shot and killed. And it just, I think this has an impact because you know Kobe's forty-one, John Lennon was forty when he passed away, and just the, I mean, there's. Yeah, he had so much more to give. He had so much more uh, to life. And he was—I think he was going to be could have been really, really great ambassador. He was a great ambassador. He just look at the effect around not just in, in the United States. I mean, just uh, around the world. Um, Neymar, after he scored on a penalty kick uh, in a soccer game on Sunday, put up the, uh, his fingers two and four in honor of Kobe Bryant. You see what 
a lot of the NBA teams had done, uh, taking 24-second violations or 8-second backcourt violations. Uh, those were Kobe's numbers. Kobe wore number 8 when he first broke into uh, the NBA and later changed to 24. Uh, the tributes, I mean, it's, it's hitting the sports world hard. Um, I, I just, I, I was shocked. I mean, I call my mother. I'll have a comment from my mother uh, when I read some of the comments that people posted on my Facebook page. And she is a big Lakers fan. She's been a big Lakers fan for a long time, even before Kobe Bryant. And she was devastated. I mean, I could hear her, hear her just uh, just the way she acted. And it's just like I was, I, I, it's like a family member had passed away. Um, so it's just, it's a sad day. I mean, we can't forget the other victims, obviously, the, the, the pilot. Um, the, the out the belly family that was in, in the in the helicopter. It's we just have to remember. I mean, I, I I'm still choking up with some of the tributes that we see when yeah you know, I when I you know, see the basketball teams doing the uh, the twenty four second violations and uh, Wednesday night I was watching um, the start the start of the Washington Capitals uh, National Predators game and the Capitals had a tribute for uh, Kobe Bryant. Um, you, you watch the NBA on TNT a pregame show Tuesday night, and Shaquille O'Neal was just in just ready to break down. And just the, the, the you know Charles Barkley, Ernie Johnson. That's why that's NBA TNT the best pregame show out there. And they, it's just it was raw television. And it was just honest feelings. Just let everybody letting go. I, I think it really hit Jerry West hard. Uh, I saw him in interviews on ABC. Uh, the ESPN, and then he was on the uh, TNT show Tuesday night. Um, it's just, uh, I, I just, uh, it's really just, uh, it's sad. It really is sad, and you wonder why. You wonder why this happened, and really there are no answers. There really are no answers. Uh, we can only pray for uh, Kobe's wife, uh, his, or, or his, uh, the other daughters, uh, pray for the other families involved. I mean, it's it's just it's uh, just a tragic, tragic time for them. Um, we just have to keep thinking about them all the time, and um, I just it's just it hits you. It just hits you. It just uh, there's really no other way. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a really a tough year for the NBA. I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting Friday night when the Lakers do play. They're hosting Portland. I know that game's going to be televised by ESPN. You just wonder what that night's going to be like uh, inside uh, Staples Center. Uh, I know the Clippers play Thursday night, so that could be that's going to be just as uh, emotional. Uh, they both, you know, obviously, you know, the Clippers and the Lakers share uh, Staples Center. Uh, so, rest in peace, Kobe. Rest in peace. Um, thank you for everything. I'm going to read some of the comments that were left on my Facebook page. Uh, Colin Snyder. Uh, wrote, um, this one is hitting hard. Shocker, only 41. Uh, LLs L with uh, sad face emojis. Uh, Rhonda Whistler, uh, who was the person uh, that sent me the initial message about Kobe Bryant, um, she says, I can't even process this. And she had a picture of Bryant's Laura Marion jersey where he wore number 33 when he played for uh, Laura Marion High School. Uh, Howie Lewis said, very sad news, especially being a Lakers fan. Uh, Jennifer Wagner Grano said, what a tragedy. Uh, Joe Brizzy, horrible news. Uh, Peggy Lonnett, uh, very tragic. Amy Graves says, uh, this hits me hard. 
and I'm an NFL fan. But more importantly, many lives were lost in the, this crash. Tragic. And my mom wrote, uh, my heart is broken for all involved. As a Lakers fan of long standing, I was thrilled when Kobe joined the team. I had seen him play at Lower Marion and knew how special he was. My heart is broken for this young man. Um, was not only a great basketball player who excelled on the court, but he was a gentle soul who loved his family and all that he did. R.I.P. Kobe and Gianna. And one last comment, uh, Mitch uh, Tomaszewski. Um, he says, Ken, not a memory, but more like a fantasy. Once again, on that heavenly plane, I would like to think uh, on some secluded court, the all-time greats are running some pickup. And as he shows up to a court, a large figure yells out, uh, I got my guy from Philly. Hey, let's run, kid. And the thought of Will Chamberlain and Kobe Bryant playing together brings great joy to those of us who love the game. With all respect to Mr. Rick Tellender, um, in this scenario, heaven truly would be a wonderful playground. Thank you for your comments. Um, I'll preview Super Bowl 54 with San Francisco sports talk show host and Notre Dame Bishop Gibbons graduate Damon Bruce, and he will give his thoughts on Kobe Bryant. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. on the Pony Shots podcast. Up now is my conversation with Damon Bruce, host of Damon, Ratto, and Kolsky on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. We talked about Super Bowl 54, but started off with Kobe Bryant. Well, Damon, thanks for coming back on the podcast, and I uh, hope all is well in the Bay Area. How are you doing? Always a pleasure to talk with you, Ken. How are you? Things are great out here. Obviously, the 49ers you know, turning in a great season almost out of nowhere, it seems, uh, is a huge story. But yeah. I, I know that we got something else to talk about yeah. before we get to what we thought was going to be the lead story. Yeah, obviously uh, what happened on Sunday, and as we taped this on Monday, uh, we'll post this on Thursday, uh, the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and the uh, eight other uh, people that were involved, including his daughter, one of his daughters, where were you when you heard, and what was your first thought when you heard about the news? I was sitting on a buddy's couch in Austin, Texas, actually, not even an hour before I had to head to the airport to come back to San Francisco. I just had a buddy who had a birthday out there and flew out to Austin to celebrate with him. Um, and it was shocking. It was just absolutely shocking. And I thought about it. It is one of those, you know, I'll always remember I was sitting on my boy's couch when he told me, because he was looking at his phone first, Kobe Bryant just died. And I said, shut up. He said, look, TMZ's reporting it. I'm looking for a second source. And it was just in the infancy of the story happening. And it was, it was amazing. It's, it's, it's something else. You know, Ken, I was at the airport, not even an hour or two later where, you know, you stand around people, the same group of people, you share the same space with the same people in an airport, either standing in security lines or at the gate. And normally, you know, you don't talk. Yesterday, people were talking. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, everyone was talking about what had just happened and how it affected them. 
how everyone was looking forward to run home and, and hug a loved one. So um, it's it's shocking. I, I can't think of a story that would have halted the 49ers being in the Super Bowl, even in San Francisco. But here we are, and it's 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 powerful and it's visceral for people. Yeah, I, I, I was writing a story yesterday, um, and I got a message on Facebook and I looked at it, and it looked like one of those, you know, instant Facebook messages or somebody corrupted, uh, had their um, ID uh, corrupted. And, and I really didn't pay much attention to it until I saw a, a message come over my phone. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I just, it, to me, I, I mean, I'm 56 years old. I compare it to uh, when John Lennon was murdered. And my mom uh, uh, came to wake me up in the middle of the night to tell me about it. And I was, I was a senior in high school at the time and a big Beatles fan. It just it has for me that kind of resonance that such a, a person like John Lennon, like Kobe Bryant, had an impact not only maybe Kobe, not only the United States, but, but the world. And just it's just like the whole world's grieving right now. He's the rare person where everyone knew who he was. You know, you, you your friends, your boss, people you work for, people who work for you. Uh, you, you know, it, it spanned cultures and generations, and it, it, he was, you know, a, a one-word athlete. You know, when, when you reach that one-word status, you don't need a second name. Uh, you know, Cher, Madonna, Kobe. You know, it's just it's, it's as big as celebrity gets is allowed to get in the world of sports, and to see that. That, you know, I mean, you know, before he's even enshrined into his own Hall of Fame, he'd already gone on to win an Academy Award. It's like he was aggressively successful. And, you know, because no one's life is boiled down to all of their good points or all of their bad points. I know that we're about to go through a lot of examination of the chapter in Colorado. And it's a fascinating part of the tale because it's a story point in his career, which I don't think I've ever seen any other athlete or any celebrity necessarily recover from. Certainly not to the degree where Kobe Bryant had evolved truthfully and rebuilt his image into a family man whose development of his daughters was paramount in his life. And it's just, it's a fascinating story when you look at all of it, how it all happened and then the tragic ending. Uh, It's amazing. Yeah, I think maybe the fact that social media wasn't around, maybe that part of his uh, life, that maybe that helped too, that he was able to rebuild his image before social media. I mean, imagine if social media was around, Twitter and uh, TMZ and all that stuff was around back then. I mean, you probably wouldn't have been able to do that. Well, the echo chamber, the echo chamber would be so different. And uh, you're you're totally right about that. So let's talk uh, Super Bowl uh, 54. How surprised are you that the 49ers are playing in the Super Bowl? I mean, last year, I mean, obviously you didn't have Garoppolo last year with the injury. Uh, they seem to be, the previous year, seem to be getting on the right track. But, they were, I mean, they were two inches away from being the wild card team. Yeah, the, the path that they took to get here, the gauntlet that they had to play at the end of their season, just to have home field, which they've clearly done well with since they've, use home field to get to Miami. Um, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, and a game of inches. Uh, I, I'd even tell you, Ken, that it, for as, as crazy as this team did come out of nowhere, they're three plays away from being 16-0 and in the regular season. 
they won by the slimmest of eyelash. They, 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 they lost, excuse me, three games on the last play of the game. And they almost lost a fourth game on the last play of the game. But since they didn't, they had home field. And, and here they are. Garoppolo is really good. That guy spreads confidence like wildfire in that locker room. And when you have the benefit of a defense that plays like this and a running game that pops like that, you don't need to put up gaudy fantasy football numbers. Gosh, you don't even need to pass the ball more than eight times, apparently, to beat the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. So, um, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs got this wild pinball offense that is admirable and very scary on all conceptual levels. But in any Super Bowl, I'll take the team that runs runs the ball better and plays the best defense. And that's the Niners going away, and I, I'm not going to be surprised if they win on Sunday. Of course, uh, Kansas City Chiefs also have Andy Reid, who has time management issues. Speaking as an Eagles fan back in the, when he took the Eagles to the Super Bowl, he had some issues there. And, uh, so I'll go with the 49ers as well. But just to talk about the job Kyle Shanahan has done, I mean, are you surprised? I'm not surprised that when the talent in that locker room met the sophistication of his coaching, that good things happened. I'm not surprised about that. This guy has got, I know what I'm doing, written all over him, kind of at every moment. He is a, a savant when it comes to creating mismatches. Uh, no team in football has more pre-snap motion. All he's doing that for is to look for an advantage and create space where you can't you, you can't defend it, and he finds it so often. I've even joked around. There's there's a there's there's a little there's open enough to throw a receiver the ball. Then there's wide open. Then there's Shanahan open. <laughs> I mean, he's got players running around in some of these games where you'd think the JV was playing the varsity. That's how much he is taking other NFL coaches apart with just X's and O's brilliance. And you saw an awful lot of that last year, but he didn't have the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders emerging as wide receivers. And he didn't have a defense that they made a few decisions that accelerated the timetable of putting them in a Super Bowl. Richard Sherman has not only returned to form, he just had one of his best seasons of a Hall of Fame career. They, this, the drafting of Nick Bosa has been an incredible decision. He is everything he was promised to be, an absolute maniac out there getting the quarterbacks and creating pressure in the pocket. Their free agent decisions in D. Ford and Quan Alexander, when they were healthy and playing, the Niners looked unstoppable. When they were both hurt and not playing, the Niners looked vulnerable at times. They're back and healthy now, and their defense is ripping other teams' lids off so far in the playoffs. So they're they're well-rested and healthier than they've been. I think they've got a state-of-the-art head coach, and I just and, – and look, I know you, you, you took your shot at Andy Reid, and as an Eagles fan, I won't begrudge you that. Andy Reid has done a better job evolving with the NFL over 21 years. Outside of Bill Belichick, no one's done a better job changing with the times. He is a brilliant coach, but that defense is a C-plus at best. And I think Kyle Shanahan, I mean, let's remember, as, as, as fascinated as we are, and rightfully so, by the speed of Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes 
and Tyreek Hill and how good they are with Travis Kelsey, the 49ers have the highest scoring offense in the Super Bowl. Not the Chiefs. The 49ers outscored the Chiefs this year. So that's who that's who they are. And I think they're I think they're set up to win. Kyle learned a lot from his uh, Super Bowl failure as offensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons against Tom Brady a couple years ago. And I think this guy takes a lot of notes and he is learning on the job. Yeah. Well, another guy that really was hired three years ago that really a lot of people were like, what experience does he have? John Lynch, the general manager. I mean, he had a great playing career, was doing fine in the broadcast booth. All of a sudden now he's a general manager. And what about him? Then, you know, obviously – He's done a great job. He, you know, in three years, he's helped, helped make this team a Super Bowl, Super Bowl contender. John Lynch is great at facing the media. He's fantastic at being the face of the front office. But make absolutely no mistakes. These are Kyle Shanahan's decisions, part and parcel. They work well together, and I believe that Kyle listens to John Lynch and respects Everything he says greatly as an evaluator of talent, what it really takes to win in this league, and what it takes to fit the system that the Niners are running. But this is all Kyle Shanahan. The whole thing. From top to bottom, soup to nuts, it's Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan told John Lynch, or told Jed York to hire John Lynch. They work great together, but this is is really the Shanahan show. Mm Mm-hmm. You look back at you know the last time we talked a few years ago when the uh, 49ers went to the Super Bowl. Obviously, since then, you know, the Kyle Kaepernick situation. Um, still like the you know, 49ers were caught in this really – the whole thing snowballed. The team struggled. Chip Kelly, the one year there, and really didn't do much. Uh, what about those years between I – mean, has this organization recovered from that now? It's amazing to think of the last decade of football for the Niners, and most of the fans will tell you out here it was a disaster, and in many ways it was. And I'm not even talking about Colin Kaepernick. I'm just talking about on the field. The football was bad. The coaching was bad. The leaks were bad. The dissension was bad. The new stadium was bad. Its new location was even worse. All of that was in play. The Kaepernick thing, it's funny. That's the only thing that Chip Kelly got right. He actually kept that locker room united on the right side of history on that. And and because of that, I think the 49ers got out of the Colin Kaepernick business almost as the country started yelling about it as a national topic. It was a long local topic out here. And by the time it was burning in the national wildfire, we had sort of extinguished it and, and sort of moved on. It, but what's crazy about the whole thing is as bad as the Niners decade just was, they've been to the NFC title game four times in the last decade. Like that's a decade other fan bases would kill for. Yeah. They're in their second Super Bowl in eight years. Now when you say you're in a second Super Bowl in eight years, it sounds like you just had a really good decade. No, <laughs> that's not the story at all. It was a disaster out here. They had an incredible Harbaugh run. They bottomed out and flatlined for several years. Kyle Shanahan gets brought in, installs an offense, gets the Jimmy Garoppolo talent early, and then gets the rug pulled out from underneath him when Garoppolo tears his ACL, ironically, at Arrowhead against Kansas City. Yep, yep. 
And that allows them to draft Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel and Dre Greenlaw, who was the linebacker who made the tackle that we were talking about in the Seattle game. The, the pieces that they were able to pick up due to Garoppolo's injury turning into the second overall draft position looked like a nightmare on the time. It was a blessing in disguise because here they are in Miami. Yep. Jimmy Garoppolo, some people think he's just a game manager. To those people who say that, what do you say? Uh, great. You manage the game. When, when you got a running game, when you got a running game churning out yards, touchdowns, and clock like the Niners have, and you got a quarterback who wants to throw the ball, you got a prima donna. This guy gets it. He'd be happy to beat you with only 10 passes and hold a Lombardi trophy and then have Twitter tell him how good he isn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Jimmy Garoppolo is proven he went toe to toe with Drew Brees in a shootout just a few weeks ago that everybody apparently has forgotten about. The guy is kind of nails. He really is. He makes a big mistake in the game. He has the NFL's best quarterback rating post-interception in the NFL. He, he, he makes a bad decision turn into a good game. He's got four fourth-quarter comebacks, which is tied for the most in the NFL this year. Like, I don't know what people want. Jimmy can play, period. What are we talking about? Yeah. Well, you know, critics, they, 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 they think they know better, but, yeah, I, I think I, – I, It's I, funny, you know, Ken, well, they say, you know, well, he's a check down Charlie. Game manager is what was attached to Alex Smith. You know, game manager, it sounds like a lousy thing to, 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 to be, but ultimately that's what you kind of hope your quarterback is. Your quarterback only has to manage a game around him. That means you got a really good team. And he doesn't have to go rock star bail you out at all times. Mm -hmm. You know, Patrick Mahomes is a walking, living video game. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, Jimmy Garoppolo's got more Super Bowl rings as a backup quarterback, you know, just carrying Tom Brady's <laughs> clipboard for a guy who's never done it. He's as prepared to do it as anyone could be. So yeah. I just, I, I think it's fascinating how we try to keep on telling everyone what, what he's not. When he's like, you know, I forget what his record is as a starter. It's absurd. He's like 26 and 5 or something. Yeah. What's your prediction? The teams win a lot. Yeah. What's your prediction? 49ers, 32, Kansas City, 28. Okay. Um, you mentioned Chip Kelly, and I got to ask this question being a Philadelphia sports fan, born and raised in Philadelphia. You have another second uh, hand-me-down Philadelphia coach-slash-manager, Gabe Kapler with the Giants. Your thoughts about that? Uh, well, <laughs> we, will, we will see. Um, this is another one of those things, Ken, where deciding who the National League and American League managers of the year are going to be going forward, it's going to be really hard to do because I don't know if managers really manage a game anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Farhan Zaidi is the guy who was in the front office who in one year went from general manager to job title above that. Now there's a new kid named Scott Hansen. And this is, there's an abacus setting the giant lineup. And it's like that for most teams in baseball right now. And I think that Gabe Kapler is the kind of guy who is going to be the perfect Pinocchio for a GM who doesn't want to cede much power to the dugout 
I mean, we, you know, that's that's why Bruce Bochy had to go, right? Yeah. You know, like, you know, Bruce wanted to make his own lineup and has the right to, given his success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Farhan wanted a guy who, when he says do this, he does that, and I think that Gabe Kapler will be that. Well, here's one thing you can guarantee the post-game press conference is they'll all be positive. He never uh, has nothing negative to say, so <laughs> enjoy but, that. You know, I mean, that's that's the front forward-facing image that teams want projected right now. Like the day of pissed-off Earl Weaver covering the home plate with dirt, it's gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, I think, you know, I don't want to call him Beefcake Pretty Boy and put that label on him, but he's a real handsome guy who smiles well and is a great talker, and that's kind of the job now. Yeah. You know, I mean, it really is. It's like He's like the spokesman, like a PR guy, basically. Kind of, kind of. I mean, I, w- I would like to think that there's a lot more to it than we will just never know because, you know, people who cover the game and play the game do not speak the same language. Um, they're, they're, you know, the worst major leaguer is so much better at his job than whoever the worst person you've ever worked with in your office. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the skill level it takes to just be there and then be the center of our ridicule is absurd. But Gabe Kapler, even though he was a failed major leaguer, he was so more absurdly talented at failing in the major league than you and I will probably ever be at anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. That's how hard it is to reach that level. So I would like to think he's got more than just, you know, a, abs. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, David, appreciate a few minutes. Uh, should be a lot of fun Sunday and, uh, Maybe there'll be a parade in uh, – where would the parade be if this is the 49ers? Ones? Would it be in San Francisco or would it be in Santa Clara? I know where I'd put my parade, and it's not where i put the stadium. So I'm sure we'll send them a map, and they can they can just geotag themselves on up here. All right. Well, David, appreciate a few minutes, and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Always great to talk to you, Ken. Always good to be uh, hanging out in Schenectady. Yeah, Thank you, you so much. You got it. Hi, this is Will Brown, head coach of the UAlbany men's basketball team. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast, and of course, uh, the big game coming up on Sunday. There'll be a lot of super bets that will bowl you over. And to talk about the, some of the unusual bets that are here as the uh, manager of the River Sportsbook, Harborside Hal Wafer. Hal, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, hey, good morning, Ken. Thank you for having me. As we taped this on Monday, obviously, uh, you know, bets will start trickling in. I mean, what, 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 how much I mean, do you expect wagered from uh, the, the football fans? Oh, I mean, this is the, 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 the big game coming up on Sunday uh, will be the largest wagered uh, you know, sporting event happening and expect the room to be packed to the gills. Uh, with fans, betters, um, and that's one aspect of the betting that's great. People get to participate, not just with their opinion, but with their hard, you know, cold cash, and hopefully they get a winner or two and everything. And then also, it'll, I expect it to be busy on the unofficial um, big game eve that Saturday, 
because a ton of people will turn out and I you know in a piece of advice I recommend a lot of people come out the day before because Sunday's definitely going to be busy also with the betting not to have to wait in longer lines and get shut out that would be horrible but yeah there's a, a lot of props they're coming out every day um, you got props like the first player to score the jersey number of the first player to score and as you know you know the props have become increasingly more popular when they were introduced ages ago and um, like in Vegas for example you'll have 300 plus and we have a UK operator so I can't say exactly how many at the moment but every day they keep adding more and more props to the sheet list as we get closer and closer to the big game. I think that one of the most popular prop bets is the national anthem and the, and the length. Does that, do you see a lot of bets on that? Um, we don't have, you do, uh, back in Vegas I would, but we don't have that uh, up yet, but I expect that to be, but a good amount of people like betting that. And the one thing, just in general, with the popularity of the props, as you know, Ken, and letting the folks out there know, is it lets you have another betting uh, interest in a game where, let's say it was a blowout. Well, right to the bitter end, the last few minutes of the game, you can still be intrigued, involved, rooting for something, even though it's a blowout before the three ticks, the three zeros go on the clock. And that makes it really interesting for everyone where you have a rooting interest all the way to the end, even though the game may have already been decided. Why do you think those bets have really really exploded in popularity over the last few years? Uh, people have their, um, I and mean, I think it's really the player props that drive a lot of that. People have their favorite players, plus you're getting maybe, you know, 40 to 1 or 100 to 1 on a player. Or if you're talking about things happening, like we go back a few Super Bowls ago, Carolina, New England, first score of the game to be a safety. Brady's in the end zone, throws it away out of the end zone, he gets flagged, it becomes grounding. It's a safety. I think it was like 100, 150 to 1 to hit that prop. So those situations that may happen are going way back to Refrigerator Perry, the, the Bears and the Patriots, and for him to score a touchdown. And if you remember right, it started at like 20 to 1, but by the time the game happened, that prop was already like 2 to 1, almost you know very chalky. But those kind of things people are really interested in because they get the root for a certain thing happening or a certain player, and especially the player props have become more and more um, popular and intriguing. You think because of fantasy football that's been a help? Yeah, I think I think that's a, a good portion of it. Plus, people know the rules, how football is played. Plus, they watch it all year long, 17 weeks, and then the playoffs. So they have their favorite players, uh, one particular player or a group of players, and they're getting odds on them scoring or doing something, be it, you know, Mahomes over three and a half touchdowns, you know, yes or no, and attach money line to it. So they follow these players throughout the year. They have their favorites, and they want to bet on them. In the years you've been involved with this, uh, what's the most unusual prop bet you have seen? Most unusual? Well, I'll have to say a couple. It was that Refrigerator Perry one, but that wasn't so much of a secret. Obviously, it happened, and it started at 20-1, to 1, got bet down to 2-1 to 1 before the game. Um... The most unusual one that took a long time to happen was, will there um, be overtime that actually happened? Um, and then I would say, I can't remember specifically, but it's those cross-sport props. Like, will Ovechkin on that Sunday or the Saturday before have more um, points and assists than the field goal kicker for the Chiefs? 
you know, number of kick field goals he kicks. Those are always interesting too because it gets you involved for a couple of days and really the front end of it, if it was based on a Saturday game, the, the, the eve before the big game, well, no matter what happens, you're still alive going into the Sunday on the second half of the prop. So it makes it real interesting. Oh, and it was last year, uh, the prop best obviously was a low-scoring game last year. I mean, it, it was that, I mean that's, that was unusual. I mean, that, did that pay off a lot? Oh, yeah. If they hit, I mean, what was it, the last eight minutes of the fourth quarter, that's when New England scored a touchdown. And just like you said, Kenny, it was, it was like 150 to 1 that no touchdowns would be scored in the Super Bowl. Oh, man, if you had that going for a couple hundred, you were, you were out of your mind and, and really bummed out when it happened with eight minutes left there, you know, or thereabout. This is the first uh, big game for uh, the River Sportsbook. What kind of crowd are you anticipating? Is it going to be overflowing? Oh, yeah, it'll be standing room only, or as I like to say, you know, packed to the gills. Um, we'll have tables in here that are reserved, but the seats will be first come, first serve. And um, they'll be standing from inside here to the outside to the uh, Van Slick's bar area to the kiosk lot area. Plus, all the TVs in the sports book, even if you're playing roulette or blackjack or um, some other game, you, or at the slots, you'll be able to see the game on a TV near you because every TV will have it on. And then the other thing that'll be interesting, we'll have you know food and drink specials here in Van Slicks and around. But if you bet $100 to 999 on the Super Bowl from 8 a.m. to 11.59 that night on the big game, yeah, <laughs> and you'll be able to get a Rivers t-shirt if you bet 1000 or more on the big game, 8 a.m., to 11:59 uh, that day on Super Bowl, on the big game, you'll be able to get a hoodie. So we got a T-shirt and a hoodie giveaway for 100 or more, or over a thousand, you get the hoodie. That's a super deal. Yeah, you got that right. Super, <laughs> super duper. <laughs> that just bowls me over. Um, what time should people start showing up? Because obviously, you know, the game doesn't start till 6:30, but uh, you have the pregame show at two o'clock. Do you anticipate people? Should people start arriving earlier? Oh, yeah, as early as you can get here. Like, I'll be here probably about 6 in the morning myself. Our windows are open at 8 to midnight. Um, I expect lines to already be starting at the kiosk and at the live betting teller windows. Uh, just so the folks remember, or if they happen to forget, we have 14 kiosks, 6 live windows. All that will be open. But the traffic will, uh, expectations is it will be, you know, worse than a New York City traffic jam during during a, uh, a snowstorm, you know what I mean? Well, speaking of snow, so there's no snowstorm on Sunday, right? <laughs> it, doesn't look to, it doesn't look to be. But, no, it'll be packed to the gills, and I always highly recommend before the big game on uh, Sunday, come to the, you know, the unofficial holiday is the big game eve. Uh, you can get your wagers in. It'll probably be a little bit less waiting and in line. The worst thing is to get shut out and... Um, but you come back and you already have your bets on the for the big game on Sunday, and partake in all the uh, events and enjoy it. And hopefully, it comes out you know uh, profitable for all the folks out there. Are you picking a winner? Um, I had given the metrics, which were a pick 'em, and the total of 53. And originally, it started at 51. They moved it up to 54. And the game is Chiefs minus one, one and a half. So uh, my metrics are right in line, pretty much with that. And uh, as I like to say, too, I was telling some folks that, you know, know me here after a while, the, the, it's really been the first week the over-under's gotten all the play, obviously 51 being moved to 54. But the spread this year isn't like a sexy kind of bet for the people out there on the big game. 
um, it's not a, a three, a four, or a big number like seven, which people would probably look at and make more play, and even the wise guys, so-calledly wise guys out there would like to uh, sink their teeth into. So it's really not been the sexy number to bet on for the big game of the, the Chiefs or the Niners, though we've seen action both ways. It's really been the over-under the first week. Well, it sounds like it'll be a lot of fun on Sunday for the big game, and I hope uh, the, the fans here come bowl over and have a super bets. Oh, yeah, definitely. The, the big game's usually always a great event, and it's great here um, on the, the harbor side here on the Mohawk, where it'll be the first time the big game, the big game will be offered to bet on, to, to participate, and enjoy it. And I uh, just want to thank you, Ken, for having me on again, and to all the folks out there, have a great day, and a betters tomorrow. Thank you, Hal. It's uh, Hal Wafer of uh, River Sportsbook Manager. Back with more of the Parting Shots podcast in just a moment. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast on Sunday... New York Giants wide receiver Darius Slayton and New York Yankees first baseman Luke Voigt were in Albany for the Center for Disabilities Telethon. They met the press before the telethon. I had a chance to ask Slayton about the coaching change the Giants made and that he caught Eli Manning's final touchdown pass. Obviously, you know, we want to build on last year. You know, obviously it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. But, you know, I'm sure um, Coach Judge and Coach Garrett and all them that they went out and hired, I'm sure they look forward to coming in and getting some wins. Caught the last touchdown pass from Eli Manning. Looking back on that now, obviously you probably didn't know at the time that was going to be the case, but looking back on it now, I mean, how special is that for you? Especially um, getting a rookie. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, he, he's a legend of the game. Um, a New York legend, somebody that Bye. I have a tremendous amount of respect for. So, you know, I definitely think I'm young right now, just a rookie. So, right now it's kind of like, you know, another ball. But I'm sure when I look back at my career, like, it'll be something that's really special to me because, you know, not everybody has the opportunity to play with somebody that caliber. And, you know, it's on. Did you keep the ball? Uh, or do you have to give it to him? Yeah. You didn't keep it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to keep it, but um, I think, I'm pretty sure I think, I think he has it. <laughs> Slayton then talked about what he learned from Manning and about Manning's replacement, Daniel Jones. Um, just how to be a professional, you know, the way he carries himself day in and day out, um, especially as I've learned up here in the New York media, you know, sometimes can be really shrewd. And, um, you know, it's something he's done for 16 years. Um, he's been excellent. And um, kind of like I said earlier, it just was a blessing to be able to see somebody like that, see how they carry yourself, see how you're supposed to take care of your body and, and handle your business. So it was a blessing to play with him for sure. How much excitement is there now for Daniel Jones? I mean, obviously, we got the Giants fans got a glimpse of what he can, can do. Mm-hmm. How do you think he did, and what does he have to do to get better? I think he did really well as a rookie. I mean, the kind of the hard part is, is like you, you come to find out that like every single week you're learning something new with each new opponent. So um, I definitely think now that he's got a year under his belt. I think he's going to take off next year, and I'm I'm excited for him. I'm excited just to see him. I asked Voight about how interesting the offseason has been with the Houston Astros cheating scandal dominating the news. His reaction? Well, it was priceless. Luke, it's been an interesting offseason in Major League Baseball. Uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is this the worst scandal? I mean, we went through the steroid era. We had the Black Sox uh, scandal back 100 years ago. I mean, is this, how damaging is this to Major League Baseball? I'm just here. Yeah. I'm just here because I have to be, right? Is that? Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I mean, it's something that we all knew that was happening, and you know, it finally came out. But it sucks, man. You know, obviously, the whole sign, sign stealing stuff's been a part of the game forever, right? You know, the catcher puts down a sign. You know, guys on second, he's going to be. Trying to steal your signs. You know, it's typical. It's been around for 150 years. But, you know, take technology into it and um, kind of all the stuff that you guys found out about. It sucks. And it's, it's you know, as much as they say, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, it's 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 a bunch of BS. And, um, you know, I'm glad it's getting fixed. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's over with, too, because, I mean, man, this offseason's just been, you know, I feel like it's been, been bad for the game. And, I'm excited to see spring training and, you know, kind of flip the switch on this whole thing, but... Well, you have uh, the Astro, former Astro now and Garrett Cole on the roster. You know, yeah. How much is he going to help, and have you had a chance to talk with him? <laughs> yeah, because he took my number, so... <laughs> <laughs> how, much, uh, how, much did, how much did it cost him? I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 he should buy me a house or something with the money he got. <laughs> no, he uh, he's a good guy. I'm excited for him. Um, he's a really good pitcher. You know, I, I think that's kind of what we needed. We needed that frontline horse guy for, for next year. And, you know, I got a really good feeling that, you know, going into uh, 2020 and this next decade, it's going to be a really fun to be a Yankees fan again. And I'm excited to to get down there. I mean, heck, I, I leave Saturday to get down to spring training. So I'm excited to get the wheels rolling and get out of this weather. So. <laughs> Later on, I talked to Void about Yankees reliever and Shaker High School graduate Tommy Canley. How's the job he did last year? Unbelievable. Um, Tommy's awesome. I know he had a frustrating year the year before, and for him to bounce back, I know he he works his butt off in the offseason to um, you know accomplish good things. And man, he's I think his his antics are more entertaining than you know what he does. But he's back throwing 100 again, man, and he's uh, he's one of the guys that. The reason we got to the playoffs last year, and he's uh, he's a stud. Do you talk football? I know he's a big Eagles fan. Like he's I am. Huge diehard Eagles fan. I got, yeah, I'm yeah. a Philly, so I know I, I actually met him a couple years ago. Yeah, he's I'm a big football fan too. I love football. I eat, breed, sleep football, so um, that's why me and him connect so well. So, but yeah, it's it's funny sending uh, his videos when he uh, when the Eagles win and lose. So we get both sides of it. <laughs> Up next. I'll get the sports staff Super Bowl 54 predictions. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Union College football coach Jeff Behrman. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette, Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back. Well, it's time to get the Super Bowl 54 picks from my colleagues here on the sports staff. Enjoy. Stan Hootie at the Daily Gazette and Sports Department. My pick for the Super Bowl is going to be Kansas City 34, San Francisco 27. Because not Patrick Mahomes, but the men in front of him. I think they're going to protect him. He's going to have a great day. Chiefs are going to take it home. I'm staff writer Adam Schinter. My pick for Super Bowl 54 is Chiefs 34, 49ers 31. 
I'm picking the Chiefs because uh, right now I don't know if there's a defense on the planet that can stop Patrick Mahomes. I'm sports editor Michael Kelly. My pick for Super Bowl 54 is Chiefs 28, 49ers 20. I am picking the Chiefs because that's the team that Patrick Mahomes plays for. Hi, my name is Paul Antonelli, staff writer for the Daily Gazette, and I'm picking for Super for the Super Bowl, uh, Kansas City Chiefs 31, San Francisco 49ers 17. And the reason I'm picking the, 40, the uh, Chiefs for the Super Bowl is simply I don't see the 49ers uh, stopping Patrick Mahomes. I believe he's the, the best quarterback in the NFL, and uh, I think he'll prove that in the Super Bowl. Hi, I'm uh, staff writer Jim Schiltz uh, from the Daily Gazette. Um, I picked for the Super Bowl. I'm going to take Kansas City. Uh, but thinking about it, how about 36-28? I think both teams are going to score. I think there's going to be a lot of scoring, but I like uh, 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 Mahomes. He's a playmaker. I just think he's going to make some plays with the game on the line, and they're going to pull it out. Um, so, again, I'm going to take Kansas City on this one. I'm staff writer Mike McAdam, and my Super Bowl prediction is Miami Dolphins 24, Minnesota Vikings 7. Wait, wait, I'm being told that those teams aren't actually in the game. Okay, in that case, we'll save that one for next year. Um, my, my actual Super Bowl prediction is San Francisco 49ers 31, Kansas City Chiefs 27. And the reason that's my score pick is because I reached out to my 16-year-old nephew, Ian, who knows a lot more about the NFL than I do, and, and he passed that along to me. So, Rivers Casino, here I come. My pick, I'm going with the Chiefs, 35-28. It's time for Chiefs coach and former Eagles coach Andy Reid to win his first Super Bowl. But back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. Hi, this is Harborside Hal Wafer. I'm the manager of the River Sportsbook at Rivers Casino and Resort. Now, it's always a winning bet to listen to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. You have one final chance to play the You Pick'em Football Contest. Select who will win the big game Sunday by going to dailygazette.com and clicking on Contest and Promotions. If you're a college hockey fan... Look for my weekly ECAC hockey face-off selections at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. You can participate in the face-off selections by emailing your picks to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Union Hockey beat writer Mike McGadden joins me for the next College Hockey-Centric podcast Friday, January 31st. We will look back at the Mayor's Cup games and look ahead to Union's matchups with Harvard and Dartmouth. If you have questions about Union Hockey, Mike and I will answer them. Send your questions to shot at dailygazette.com. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Damon Bruce and Harborside Hal Wafer for coming on the show. The Parting Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast 
are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots Podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports. Good sports.